Hey friends, Cable here, and this week's podcast is proudly brought to you by my friends over at Kent Cartridge. Uh, I've got a man, I've got a lot of history with this brand, going back to my college days when I was waiting tables just to fund my duck hunting addiction. That's when I first discovered Kent, and uh, I'd mess around with other brands, cheaper brands, and literally watch the pellets bounce off of greenheads. Uh, I found Kent, and I fell in love. And nothing's changed over the last 20 years except for, well, I'd say Fast Steel 2.0 is even better than the original. And Kent offers a premium shell at a sub-premium price. Check it out. It's Fast Steel 2.0. You can find it at your local retailer. Howdy, everybody. This week's podcast also brought to you by Spartan Forge. Born in war, Spartan Forge was conceived while targeting terrorists Think about that. Targeting bad guys during deployments in support of the global war on terror. We can also use this technology because of its similarities to track mature bucks. Now it's time to get this analysis into your hands. It's military-based intelligence, next-generation mapping. I absolutely love it. And I love the people behind Spartan Forge. They're like me. Second Amendment till the day we die. No exceptions. America first. Spartan Forge. Check it out by downloading the app today. There ain't nothing in the world like earning these stripes. They're getting put out of work when the price ain't right. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith welcoming everybody into episode 647 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for dropping by today. Man, I'm excited to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. Appreciate you dropping by. Um, Took the kids camping last weekend. They had this little thing called fall break. I don't know. We didn't have a really a fall break. I guess you could count Thanksgiving as fall break. Maybe you got an extra day on the front end or something. But no, now the kids, they have like a three-day. They, they didn't have school on Friday, Monday, or Tuesday uh, this past weekend. So after all the soccer games on Saturday, um, Aaron and I, well, my truck's still in the shop. Long story there. We'll have to do a whole segment on that. Once everything is done, what a nightmare. It's been over a month. No truck hunting seasons here. Kind of ticks me off, uh, but it is at the dealership getting work done right now. So we took the Honda Pilot on a camping trip, and I'm not kidding you. You couldn't have fit one marble in the back of that thing. It was packed so tight. Uh, got a nine-person tent off Amazon last week. And oh, the kids just had an absolute blast. No devices, no technology, no nothing. Just getting outdoors, campfires, the lake. We went to uh, Pat May's WMA and 
but I just had an absolute blast. Cooked dinner on an open fire both nights, did bacon and eggs on the uh, the fire in the mornings, skipped rocks, went hiking, Didn't actually didn't do any hunting or fishing at all. Uh, just got outdoors with the kiddos who who got there and they were like, what, what are we supposed to do? And I'm like, I'll build you a campfire. Uh, there's the lake. Take your shoes off. Get in. I don't care. Put up a hammock. Um, we played some cards and just uh, kind of reconnected and got away from the hustle and bustle of modern society <laughs> with a five-person family. It was awesome. Uh, Pat Mays. Nice little getaway spot, too, in northeast Texas, up around Paris, if you haven't been there before. So we did that uh, Saturday through Monday, then got back. And on Tuesday, my buddy and I went up to the new Oklahoma lease and hung a tree stand, uh, fixed our our feed pen, damn cows. It took them, we dumped a couple bags of old corn, old moldy corn on the ground, and they weren't fit to go in the feeder. And those cows kind of looked at our fence I'm assuming because within like 10 hours of us putting it up the week before uh they had gone right through it so we put some guy wires on each corner added another strand of barbed wire and up to this point the only thing that's been in there are deer uh then we hung a we got another site set up different feeder uh cleared some shooting lanes that's a day's work though especially when you're talking about driving in an hour and a half each way but good work fulfilling and uh, already getting uh, some nice bucks on camera. Not anything that's piquing my interest, but uh, the big boys should come out of the October lull here pretty soon. Um, anyway, exciting stuff. Hope, hope, And you might be thinking, well, why are you just now setting it up? Well, we didn't uh, have permission to access the property until September 1st. And then my buddy and I each went elk hunting. Him to Colorado, me in Wyoming, and so we're just now getting around to it. <laughs> uh, but better late than never, and certainly excited about this little place. Uh, 200 acres in Bryan County, Oklahoma. Um, what's on the docket for today? Let me tell you, going to be a good one. You know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that Black Rifle coffee out of Granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos, because we are ready to rock and roll. And joining us today is Andy Stumpf, a member, former member of SEAL Team 6, host of the uh, popular Cleared Hot podcast. He's a, I think, a purple or brown belt in jiu-jitsu, uh, holds world records in skydiving, and uh, most importantly, he's a passionate elk hunter and I think he's already taken a bull in two states up to this point with one tag left to go. Um, and unapologetically pro 2A. So a very interesting character, one that I'm looking forward uh, to getting to know here today. So Andy will be here for the duration of today's show. Excited about that. Uh, let's do a quick giveaway. I'm working with this company called Protect, which they make natural energy, sleep, hydration products, um, in addition to like sunscreen and chapstick, but made essentially by adventurists and hunters for people that like to push the limits. And they've got these cool new uh, 
access to your t-shirts that they sent me. And I'm going to, I think their love for access to your comes from Hawaii. Uh, Mark Healy, professional uh, surfer. Uh, he's very involved with the company. One of the owners, he's been on the show as well. Uh, but as you well know, certain parts of Hawaii are covered in access to just like they are in Texas. So, uh, we've got these great Axis Deer Protect uh, t-shirts. Very cool. And uh, we'll throw in a package of hydration, energy, and rest packets as well. All you need to do, email the word, just make it easy, Axis. That's Axis to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. And you are entered into this week's giveaway. Let's knock out a quick break. Coming up next... A real-life American hero, Andy Stumpf, joins us on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Yeah, my boys has had too many cigarettes. And too much alcohol. I'll be damned if I don't leave all this mess. I'm getting If you're looking for a thermal hog hunt near DFW, then Three Curl Outfitters has you covered. Offering fully guided thermal hunts just minutes south of Dallas, guide scout daily to put you on the bacon. Using thermal imaging technology to hunt feeders, crop fields, and river bottoms, you get unlimited hogs and no kill fees. Visit www.3curl.com. Also offering corporate hunts and food and lodging available by request. Book at 3curl.com or call 214-455-0940. In the market for a compact track loader, check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at one of our nine North Texas locations. Visit BobcatOfNorthTexas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. Keep singing them sad, sad songs. Sorry, rain on my window. I'm dying when the morning comes. Flew away in the night with the raven. Now I'm underneath the willows hanging. I'm too strung out to be upside down. There's a little Rustin Kelly Mockingbird bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for being here. I'm Cable Smith. And uh, we've got special guest Andy Stump lined up to join us momentarily. Before we do that, though, this segment is brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. How do I know? Well, it's pretty simple. No organization does more when it comes to putting its money where its mouth is and stepping up to the plate to protect our rights as hunters, as sportsmen, as gun owners than SCI. They talk the talk, and they walk the walk, and they do it both domestically and internationally. I'd love to have you join our ranks. I'm a proud member. For more info, check us out at safariclub.org. All right. Uh, with that being said, let's bring him on right now, perhaps one of the most uh, interesting individuals that we've had on the show. He's lived a very uh, diverse and what I think is probably a fulfilling life. Uh, he goes 
balls to the wall at everything he does. Former SEAL Team 6 member, Hunter, and fellow podcaster, Andy Stump. Thanks for your service, and thanks for being here, man. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, the service thing, it's a pretty common one. People, I think, oftentimes actually get, they don't know what to say or they'll get uncomfortable around people who were in the military. And in my personal opinion, nobody owes me a thanks for anything. I mean, I knew I, what I wanted to do since I was very young. I certainly appreciate it. And I always say, uh, you know, you're welcome or it was my pleasure because the vast majority of it was, except for mm-hmm. a few things that actually sucked really badly. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I feel super lucky that I was able to serve. So I don't think any thanks is necessary. So you said you knew at a very early age was that that's something that's in your family tree? Uh, yes, but that wasn't the driving factor. Um, on my mom's side, I know that her father and her dad were in the army. Her mom was actually in the army first as a uh, nurse treating people off the front lines in World War II, mm. um, <clears throat> which I don't know if people realize the weight um, that that can put on people. She actually got out of the Navy was discharged uh, due to issues that she was having from treating those frontline soldiers and then lied about being discharged and got back into the army because she wasn't she didn't feel like she was done serving. <laughs> so my mom's dad and father, or I'm sorry, dad and mother uh, army. And then my dad's side, he served in Vietnam. His dad served before him, his dad's brother. So both sides of the family had exposure to military service closer on my dad's side, but it certainly was not a uh, topic that was really discussed a -hmm. lot in my family. Like it wasn't, uh, there was no discussion of continuing the family, you know, lineage of joining the military or being in the military. Um, If anything, I would say my parents were probably, I don't know if they would ever vocalize this, but I would say they were probably disappointed that I made the choice that I did to serve because they would have wanted me to do something else. And by that, I mean anything else. Right. (laughs) <laughs> right. Huh. So both of my grandfathers served in World War II, which is very common for that generation. Uh, my dad, though, was drafted to go to Vietnam. And during his uh, physical, they found a hole in his heart and hmm. ended up, I mean, he was cleared, you know, medically ineligible, but ended up having open heart surgery, which probably saved his life. So, yeah. Know, and here I am because of that. So interesting, but he would have been in Vietnam. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so you eventually ended up with SEAL Team Six. Mm-hmm. What was the progression of like from when you joined to when you? I mean, because that's pretty high cotton there. Uh, how long did that? Uh, I mean, I don't know if I would describe it as high cotton. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about that particular command, and for. The vast majority of its existence, nobody really knew what it was um, or what they did. To include myself, when I joined the military, I had no idea that there was a SEAL team um, at that time. And it's still at this time, it's called Naval Special Warfare Development Group. So I knew I had wanted to be a SEAL. And the pipeline for that is very straightforward. And people, if they want to spend more time digging into it, can just Google it online. I mean, obviously, you need to be in the Navy or figure out a way to get into the Navy if you're in a different service, because they do actually allow that inner service transfers. Hmm. Um, you apply for the pipeline. You know, it's a six-month, very, very basic. Um, I would describe it as a crucible and selection process. At the end of it, um, it's called BUDS, Basic Underwater Demolition Slash Seal. You are not a SEAL at the end of that. 
Um, but I would say you've made it through the small end of the funnel, um, and now they're going to devote a lot more time, energy, effort, and resources into your training. So you got about another 18 months of layering on top of that selection course, the skills that you're going to need to be able to perform at a baseline level in the SEAL community, everything, you know, from obviously you know, basic weapons, handling skills, shoot, move, and communicate. It would be the, the terminology we used often. So we're going to mm. Weapons handling, you know, movement, whether it's fighting in vehicles, fighting on foot, fighting in buildings, fighting in urban terrain. Um, the communication, I mean, that's kind of worked out throughout, but I mean, you'll do cold weather. They do static land jumping. They do free fall jumping. They do an intro to medical training. Uh, I mean, everything radio, like it's all, it takes a long time as, as the people can probably tell the things that I've already rattled off. You're like, holy shit, how do you ever actually get good at those things? And the answer is time. So mm -hmm. the course is 18 months long. And at the end of that, you get issued your trident, which is the metal pin, which this is a different system than the way I went through, actually. Um, it's been revised since I went through. But you get your pin and then you get assigned to your SEAL team. So you actually show up a totally uh, qualified in the eyes of the Navy uh, SEAL and you're ready to be integrated into an operational element, um, which is a good thing. Everybody goes through the same baseline of training and you get there and what I will say is this, is that at the end of that six-month training and then the additional 18 months on top of that, you know, and this is, you know, totally anecdotally just my own uh, experience here, I would say you know 10% of what you need to actually be uh, a functioning SEAL operator. And then the rest of your career, you start slowly layering on top of that. But it's a great mm -hmm. baseline. So you show up at your team, um, and I showed up at my first team in 1997, and uh, it was team five on the West coast. It was pre nine 11, obviously. Um, so we trained a lot. I mean, my whole career up until nine 11 was just training, training, training for war that never came. And then we deployed to Japan for six months and then to Guam for another six months after I did my, uh, first entire workup and rotation, second workup and rotation. And in my first platoon, there was a guy uh, actually two guys who were screening because they wanted to go out to the East coast to development group. And that was actually the first time I'd ever heard that word, or I even knew that that um, SEAL team existed. It wasn't like it is now where there's books all over the bookstore, TV show. Like it's a super common term. People hear the term yeah. SEAL team six, or I've heard it. I had never heard it. I had no idea. And it was really interesting because especially coming from a West coast team, if somebody went over there and they went through selection, which is another six months of basically testing you at your ability to operate as a SEAL, it's no longer like this physical crucible. It's much more technical based, but they either made it and never came back or they didn't make it and got sent somewhere else, but essentially never came back. So you could mm -hmm. never get good information about what the hell was actually going on over there. Mm. Um, but to me, it just seemed like the logical thing. I was like, okay, this sounds like it's the next step. Um, in my career, it sounds like they're doing some pretty awesome things. So I made the choice to go, uh, through the selection and I went through selection in 2002 and served there until the middle of 2006 and then came back to the, uh, West coast. And, you know, a lot of guys choose not to go, which is totally fine. And some guys choose to go, which is totally fine. And some guys make it and some guys don't, there's a lot of emphasis put on people who, oh, well, you know, you weren't a real seal. You never made it over to a development group. It's like, I, I mean. Okay, you can feel that way if you want to, but it's the same group of guys. They just do a much narrower mission set so they can mm -hmm. really focus on a few things as opposed to a lot of things. But that's how I found my way over there and then uh, left 
like I said, middle of 2006, came back to the West Coast uh, as a BUDS instructor. So I was putting people through the training pipeline that I had gone through in uh, 97. And then did a uh, uh, got rotated over to SEAL Team 3 for my last operational deployment in 2010. And then from there, did an administrative job until I was medically retired and separated uh, in 2013. Okay. Right on, right on. So, and you'll have to forgive my ignorance, but like how many individuals make up us like seal team six i have no idea if it's so it's grown since i've left and i don't have a great uh i don't have a great number on that i would say you know one of the things that's great about that command is the uh, operator to support ratio so even when i was there it was probably like three support personnel to one operator which is fantastic i mean they just mm -hmm. Imagine the robust level of support. It's probably higher than that. And at a conventional SEAL team, I would say you'd be lucky to have it at a one-to-one. -one. It's probably a 0.5 to one, which a lot of that, it's it's not like it's a burden. It's just a workload that's a little bit higher on the, mm -hmm. uh, on the operators, which is totally fine. I'm not, I'm not putting a value judgment on either. Um, the command has grown on the East Coast. I would, I mean, there's probably a couple hundred operators there of a command that is probably in the thousands of people so what would you say was the best day of your military career hmm the best day of my and military. you know what the next question will be so the worst day yeah um that's a tough one um you know the careers it's kind of like it like anything else like anybody's occupation like you could strip away the SEAL aspect of it and ask somebody in a 20 year career, what was the best day? And I bet you they'd probably be able to, because it's all peaks and valleys, just mm -hmm. like life, right? You're going to have your ups and you're going to have your downs. Like it was a great day when I finally was awarded my Trident. It was something that I wanted to do since I was 11. So that was awesome. Um, But then, you know, making it through selection at development group, that was awesome too. Um, I was able to get uh transition from being an enlisted to being an officer. That was awesome. Um, and then, you know, getting out of the military, that was awesome too. So <laughs> it's, it's peaks and valleys, you know, and sprinkled yeah. in there, you know, so to go right into the next question what was the worst day. It's like, you'd have a, you'd have an amazing deployment and then you'd lose a really close friend, you know? And then, uh, you know, th those are the lower days when you, when you lose people that you care very deeply about, you know, family to me is a lot more about, the bond you have with people than necessarily the blood flowing through your veins. You know, I think mm -hmm. people let like traditional biological family get away with a lot of bullshit that they wouldn't tolerate from anybody else. And to me, family is just so much more about how you treat people and how they treat you. And you lose those people, then it's really, really difficult. Um, and that has continued obviously outside of the military. Um, statistically, I know far too many people who have decided to, uh, to end their life. And that that's a rough one for sure. So those low days associated with the military, they kind of perpetuate on, you know, I've been out for almost 10 years at this point and you still kind of have, uh, you know, you get kind of drawn back into the past a little bit when you hear about you know, mm -hmm. your friends who've made that choice. So, I mean, those are kind of the highs and lows. And again, it's not like there's not like this catastrophic Ariana's Trench low and this amazing Mount Everest high. It was just kind of like an oscillating in between the two. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. I want to talk about Cleared Hot, your podcast, a little Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well, and then uh, transition into 
some elk hunting discussion. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by NUMA, geared for the outdoors. You know the cool thing about NUMA? And nobody else does this, but they offer a lifetime warranty on all their hunting apparel. And you think about that. What, do you, what takes the most abuse out of all of your hunting stuff? For me, it's my clothing. <laughs> and so for them to guarantee it for life, it seems absurd, but that's what they do. And you'll save 20% off your NUMA order with that promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at numaoutdoors.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Body's broken and bone shattered, blood and dust in your mouth. Getting weary, but you're running with the few and the proud. Sometimes you wonder why you went. You never wonder what you stayed on for. You've been home for a couple of years now, buddy, but you're still fighting the war. It's time to tell you about Protect Products. Veteran-owned and made in the USA, Protect makes your water work harder for you in the field. They have a hydration electrolyte formula for endurance and replenishment. It's perfect for elk hunting, right? Uh, energy formula for when you need an extra kick. Immunity for optimizing the immune system. And one of my favorites, the rest formula to ensure deep sleep and proper recovery. All the formulas are liquid, so they mix instantly in your water bottle or camelback, and the cool thing is they don't gunk them up like a powder with that messy residue. They also have an easy-to-use line of mineral sunscreen for quick and odorless application and all-day protection in the field. For more info, head over to protect.com to see their entire lineup. That's protect, P-R-O-T-E-K-T.com. Hey guys, Cable here for Cryo and More, the one-stop feel-good shop in McKinney, Texas. I've been going there for over a year now. All your holistic healing needs with cold, heat, and compression therapy services. And these services, they're the fastest way that I've found to reduce inflammation and to get to the root cause of pain. You don't need to be in pain, though, in order to benefit from these services. Cryotherapy helps with burning calories, optimizing sleep, boosting energy, and much more. I can tell you that's true because I feel like a brand new man every time I get out of the cryo chamber. Uh, plus, compression therapy helps promote healthy blood flow. Come in anytime before 1 o'clock, 1 p.m., Monday through Saturday. Say the words cold outdoors and you'll get $10 off your cryo session. That's cryoandmore.com. It's a dirt road lesson talking to his kids About how to hold your ground and how to live strong He's strong Cable Smith, welcome in everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. This segment is brought to you by the good folks over at Mossberg. If you haven't seen the 940 Pro Series, what are you waiting for? It's the evolution of Mossberg's semi-auto-loading shotgun platform. I've got the 940 Pro Waterfowl. Absolutely love it. Cycles like a dream, and you don't need to clean it. Literally, 1,500 rounds before you need to break it down and uh, baby that thing, which... I'm not a big fan of that. I don't want to baby my guns. I want to take them out of the gun safe or the closet or wherever they are, take them into the field, bang, 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 put them away, repeat the next day. I'm sure a lot of y'all are like that as well. Uh, you can find the 940 series at Mossberg.com. 
All right. Well, Andy Stumpf is still here with us. We talked about his involvement uh, with SEAL Team 6 and his storied military career. Let's transition now into your latest venture, the Cleared Hot Podcast. Baker told me that you have, and I haven't, I'll be honest with you, doing this for a living and having been doing this for almost 15 years, like before podcast existed, it was just a radio show. Yeah. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts because Neither I, do I spend all day editing, recording interviews. There, there's certain ones like, hey, Joe Rogan had on this guy and I'm interested yep. in that topic and I'll seek that information out. But uh, I, I just basically listen to music or mindless sports talk radio just to kind of get away from it. Um, so I, so I haven't listened to your podcast, but Baker says it's, uh, doing very well and that you have a lot of interesting and diverse, uh, individuals on there. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I find myself in the same boat that you do. You would think that somebody who professionally does a podcast or broadcasting of some kind would be deep into the listening aspect of it. I don't, I have been, I listen to very little and I'm, I'm exactly the same for me. Uh, podcasting is all about the guest. You know, the host is cool um, unless the host sucks. And then I, it's, it's hard to tolerate. But Rogan is probably one of my staples as well because of the access he has to people. But I certainly don't listen to everyone. I pick and choose right. based off the topic. Like I skip a lot of the, the fight companion ones and the and the comedian ones. Nothing against those people, you know, and, and Joe's a good friend of mine. I, and I would tell him to his face like, hey, man, I don't listen to those because they're not interesting to me. <laughs> so, um. And, you know, Joe's the reason that I have a podcast in the first place. I was doing some fundraising for the Navy SEAL Foundation way back in 2015, and I was introduced to him kind of like a weird, circuitous route um, of being on my first podcast with a guy named Tate Fletcher, who introduced me to Brian Callen and Brendan Schaub, who then uh, Tate again introduced me to Joe. And after being on his podcast for the first time with Tate, we were just kind of talking afterwards. He goes, hey, you know, you should think about starting a podcast. Which, for clarity, Joe has said that to probably, I believe the number is 2 million people. <laughs> I think he's largely responsible for the explosion in podcasting. Or people watching his success and thinking that they're the next Joe Rogan, which, spoiler alert for everybody, you're not. Right. Uh, yeah, you're not at all. Um, And at first, I didn't know what the hell I was going to talk about. You know, I'm like, why would I, you know, I don't really necessarily think... Like, I'm not a fear factor guy who does stand-up comedy. Like, I mean, like, I'm not, who the f*** is going to listen to me? But I've had good success in my life listening to people who are more successful than me, which is almost everybody. And when you have a guy who has the most popular podcast on earth telling you that, hey, maybe you should take a look at doing that. I like you. I like your self-deprecating humor already. <laughs> well, I mean, it's literally the way that I think about it. I'm like, and I'm like, okay, who is this Joe Rogan? F- I'm like, do a little research on him. I'm like, okay, his podcast is slightly successful, maybe the most successful on earth. And he's saying you should do a podcast. Okay. Right. I'll, I'll do a podcast. Took me a while to figure it out. I was actually working with some brands at that time. Um, and one of the brands, 511 Tactical, bought me this little uh, box. And I'm sure you're familiar with all this, like a little Zoom HD6, some microphone stands, some headphones. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh this, yeah, this is amazing. Here we go. Um, and I just started talking to other people. And so the name of the podcast, as you mentioned, is called Cleared Hot. Um, took me forever to figure out what I would want to call it. I, and for people who want to know what that means, it's a radio call on the internet, on the internet, on the radio. I guess it could be on the internet. If you were talking mm-hmm. to a pilot on the internet, which you're not going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get ordinance to release from an aircraft overseas, it's actually, it's a very 
unless it's a true like catastrophic emergency and you are about to die, it's a very synchronized process. Usually it's called a nine line. You're going back and forth with information. It's a very positive control just to make sure that they don't drop a bomb or you are on a friendly force. But the last call from the ground that you give is you tell the pilot that they're cleared hot, which means that you are accepting the results of the ordinance that is going to be released from the aircraft. And until they get that, they're not going to drop. Um, and I think that, you know, accepting responsibility, owning what comes out of your mouth and your and your behaviors and actions is very, very important. So I liked it from like the military tie in because I was a JTAC, um, which allowed me to release ordinance from aircraft overseas. But I also think well beyond the military world, people would be a lot better served and our society would be a lot better served if people actually had to take accountability and ownership or the things that they said and the things that they did. So it was a nice tie in for the two. And I think this Monday's episode was episode 254. And then on Fridays, I do Q&A because I was getting bombarded with people asking me questions, which again, I'm like, why are you asking me this? I am an idiot, like a functioning <laughs> moron. But they kept coming and coming and coming. So it, it's a good avenue for me on Friday to kind of interact with the audience and then also explore my own beliefs and why I feel the way that I do. Because somebody will ask you a question and you like this, you can almost always give like a like trite response right off the top of your head. But if you sit down and think about like, well, why do I think that? Yeah. You know, does this person have a better point of view? Um, so it's been cool. It's a way to interface with the audience and also a way to continue to explore my own beliefs. Okay. And so you put out one episode a week? I do Mondays. I like the conversation, if you will, Fridays. like we're doing. And yeah, and Fridays or a solo, just Q&A. Unless something... So where do you stream that? All the major. Q&A. Oh, it's not even streamed. I, it's basically user submitted questions. Um, okay. I mean, I'll grab them from social media. I grab them. I mean, there's a contact me button right on the, you know, the Clear Hot podcast website or any of the websites is, uh, that I have up associated, whether it's public speaking or the podcast, there's a button you can click and it just goes right to my email. Okay. Okay. Um, I haven't delved into the streaming world. Do you do that? I mean, Instagram live <clears throat> occasionally, but Instagram has me throttled so bad that like half the time I'm not even allowed to do live feeds because of the hunting space do what is it because of the hunting space or the firearms Uh, politics hunting guns all of it combined they uh they deleted me for a month last uh january i was duck hunting uh sun's coming up trying to take a picture of my my lab you know with the sunrise and kind of put it on my instagram story like total and you know social media douche but that's what i was going to do and i was like oh i don't have a page anymore and all of the awesome. violations were like things that I post, but stuff that's gone viral, like that's posted everywhere. They, you know, say, Oh, will you post this? I'm like, ah, but it's on 15 other pages. Like, yeah. Yeah. So there was this recent, <laughs> these idiots in Ohio put those lead weights in those walleye. I'm sure you saw it. That was amazing. I posted well, that video. There's a guy they, standing there deadpan as they were cutting the weights out of it. Yeah, yeah he, he didn't say anything. Yeah. Uh, but they they flagged that and said that I, I was inciting violence is what it was. And they, they deleted it off my page. I see it on 100 other pages the same yeah, day. See I've seen it all over the place, yeah. So they're, they're targeting me. I don't know if it's a person that has a hard-on for, you know, against hunting or my takes on vaccines and stuff like that were, didn't prove to be very popular. Funny, all the people that I know that took the vaccines are no longer taking the boosters. Yeah. Um, for whatever that's worth. But anyway, um, 
yeah, so I haven't, I don't, I don't do it on YouTube or anything else. I guess Instagram live would have been the only thing that I was really doing. And then they've kind of throttled that back to where it's not, it's not even worth it. If only five people, if you have 140 something thousand followers, only five of them are seeing your live feed. What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. I asked only because I haven't played with uh, any of the live streaming stuff only because I mean, I'd rather do it on my schedule, not other people's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you're a purple sure. belt. How, how long have you been doing that? I've been training for just over four years now, and I got my brown belt. I think it was in August. I don't even know what. A brown belt now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. I haven't well, delved my into schedule. That. My schedule allows me to train a lot. So I'm sitting in my studio right now, which is a block away from the gym that I train at. I schedule podcasts after um, I had the ability to go to class and then open mat. So I'm like, my, I'm trying to keep my world as small as possible. Uh-huh. You know. My wife is a world champion black belt, so we're deep into the jiu-jitsu culture, if you will. She is deep into the jiu-jitsu culture. She's still a coach and competitor. Um, so it's just something I have the chance to do every day. I get the opportunity to spend more time on the mats than most people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you I seem to enjoy it, obviously. I do. More than I actually thought that I would. I was really resistant to starting because of how overwhelming and boisterous some people were about it like you got to do jujitsu it's the cure for cancer do you have depression do jujitsu are you an alcoholic dude it's like i'm like holy you know like calm down and then i started i'm like oh son of a bitch i actually love this i wish i would have started earlier right Uh, i think i think that the thing that intrigues me about it is the discipline uh i haven't ever done it i think i've done some yoga here and there and, and at the gym regularly but i think i I don't know. A lot of my friends in their that are in their early forties are getting into it. And physically, is it something that at our age, you, you, you're a little older than me, but I don't know if that's something that, uh, is it as intense as I think it is? Maybe. Um, it can be as intense as you want it to be. Like I'm a hobbyist. I do it because I enjoy it. I have no illusions of Hey, I'm going to be the next world champion. And I actually right. wouldn't want to even try that if I had the time to allocate to it, because it's not that interesting to me from that perspective. It's a great physical workout. You don't have to go incredibly hard, especially after you, uh, you learn a little bit about it. You can kind of modulate the pace when you are first starting, you will be going as hard as you can, which is a mistake, but I think everybody <laughs> has to go through that. Like everybody gets the talk. I I I got the talk. I'm sure everybody does does by a, a higher belt. It's like, hey, you should consider calming down and relaxing, which might as well have been in Klingon because at that point you don't have enough experience or knowledge to calm down and relax, but you will get that over time. So I mean, I can control the pace of most of the role. So it doesn't have to be really intense. But if you're having a day where you feel awesome and you want to go harder, sure, it could be as intense as you probably think it is but that's that's it's like a it's like a gas pedal on a car you can step on it or you cannot um and that's largely up up to you sometimes you know you're gonna have a partner that's uh, i would just describe as a little bit crazy and uh you might have a little bit of a higher intensity role but it's like five minutes of your life so with no formal training and, and i host this other like social issues political podcast with my elk hunting buddy and we have this ongoing debate I'm 41, weigh 210 pounds, pretty, pretty fit. Could I, because I say that I can take on, I don't know if it's like the bantamweight, the lowest division female MMA fighter that isn't like not even ranked, just one that like shows up that's on a card. Like maybe she's lost her last 10 fights. 
Yeah. Could I beat her with no training? Just from a sheer weight like advantage. So or is she gonna like like be a spider like monkey and like ninja chokehold me into submission? I mean, none of this stuff is magic, right? And it's one of the things that I don't like about uh some people in the way not some people, but some of the ways that you know that that was kind of like that boisterous, like this is the solution for everything, but weight is real, strength is real, a real, you know, athletic background and capacity is real. So, I mean, is it possible that you know your your most dangerous? He says she'd beat my ass. So, <laughs> well, here's the thing: it would depend. You know, it would depend on the range that you would fight her at. Yeah. I mean, if she was a kickboxer, you and she could keep you at punching and kicking range, you probably would get your ass beat because striking is actually an art form, and like people think you can just like bat punches away, and you know the head movement is natural. It takes a really long time. So if you encountered a boxer and she kept you at boxing range, that would probably be a shitty day for you. But if you're mm. able to actually close the distance, you know, jujitsu is awesome, but it's not magic. There's a reason that they break it up into male and female weight categories and age classes. You know, at some point in time, I don't really, you know, if you're talking about the smallest female fighter and you're weighing 210, I mean, in my own experience, when you start getting to like a 30 to 50 pound weight difference, the you're running into problems mm. you know it's just not magic it wouldn't i don't think in the end it would go her way especially if you could get inside of the range of her specialty you know if you could get past that striking range there's not much that that person's going to be able to do but again that's why they separate it male versus male female versus female what a novel and, idea yeah <laughs> so um okay let's do this let's take a quick break we'll come back and talk uh, a little hunting sound good good Perfect. That segment brought to you by Vortex Optics. This is the awesome thing I've got for you. 10% off any Vortex Optic when you shop at eurooptic.com. And they've got the entire lineup of rifle scopes, rangefinders, um, binoculars, and and red dots. All of it right there at eurooptic.com. Use that promo code LONESTAR10 at checkout and save 10%. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. We live in crazy times when it comes to censorship on social media. And if you're a gun owner and a hunter, and if you're proud of those things and you post about those things, then pff, you're already on the blacklist. You're getting censored. You might not even know it. Take it from me. I had my Instagram page deleted for an entire month for no reason last year. Mm-hmm. Guess what? That kind of stuff doesn't happen over at Go Wild. It's a community of people who love to hunt, fish, and cook their wild game. I also love guns. If you want to be a part of that kind of place where you're not getting censored, where they actually promote posts with that kind of content, just go to download Go Wild. It's a free app. I absolutely love it. You'll see me there posting every day. So come on, join the conversation at Go Wild. I'm Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. 
However, there's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. Mistakes, I swear I should have known better. Half of my mistakes were just lost friends. You get a little distance on it. All right, Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. We're still visiting with. Andy Stumpf here today, but uh, before we dive back into that conversation, this segment of the show proudly brought to you by Stealth Cam. I just put two more out on my uh, Oklahoma property the other day. I actually love the reactor. Uh, it's like 100, I think you can pick one up for like 140 bucks these days with data plans as low as $5 a month. Those things have come a long way as far as the technology is concerned, and uh, also got a lot more affordable. $5 a month, I remember when it was like $30. Uh, ridiculous. But uh, yeah, pick one up. It's the Reactor. You can find it at StealthCam.com. It's tough to beat getting those images sent right to your cell phone. And with that being said, let's pick it back up with Andy Stumpf. Andy, thanks for sticking around. Certainly enjoying the conversation. You typically hey, say, yeah, me, me too. Yeah. Oh, are you asking me or telling me? I thought you were talking about yourself. I don't know. <laughs> um, so you, you're, we were talking about the name of your podcast, Cleared Hot, mm-hmm. which has a lot of uh, uh, aviation you know, associated with it. That's where it comes from. Like you mentioned, you are, which I've found this very interesting, a licensed pilot. You can mm-hmm. fly everything from a crop duster to a Gulf Stream, which I don't, yeah, I'm sure there are pilots like that, but I don't think most of them they go and get, oh, I'm going to go get my pilot's license so I can fly a Cessna or something like that. Uh, yeah. It seems like a pretty broad spectrum to go from that little crop duster to a, you know, a jet. So one of the things that I did when I was out of the military is I was working for a company called CrossFit, which is a, is a strength and conditioning organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was at a time where the founder was looking to drive less and fly more. And he was kind of doing this triangle between, you know, some cities in California and in Arizona. And it provided the opportunity. I had already had my private's pilot license, which is like probably 40 hours of flying. It's not crazy. Like the barriers to entry on that are not incredibly high. Um, But it provided me the opportunity to continue to get all those other additional ratings, which I pursued and then uh, flew professionally for like five or six years. So, and again, it's just, it comes with over time. I'm not current. Um, in aviation anymore. The licenses are still good for life, mm-hmm. but I could fly neither a crop duster or a Gulfstream at this point. I would need to go back for some refresher training. Okay. So like continuing education stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The licenses, yeah. like the baseline licenses are good, but there's currency requirements, knowledge requirements, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to like instrument flying and shooting approaches and inclement weather. Like just because I did that years ago does not mean that if like, I'm just like, oh, let's just go get a Cessna and fly around in the clouds. That would not be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you are part of the Black Rifle Coffee family. Like, I guess you're friends with that. Founder and CEO is the title that I identify with <laughs> most. I'm not sure if it's accurate. 
Evan seems to be okay with it because I tell people that while he's standing there next to me and he never corrects me. So, well, on their Wikipedia page, it says key members and you're listed on there. It doesn't say CEO, but uh, it yeah. is there. Um, you're going to open a, a franchise in Montana. I am three blocks from the, the, the they call them outposts, the Black mm-hmm. Rifle Coffee Kalispell Outpost uh, that should be open in February. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so and I haven't ever asked anyone from, uh, this circle before, but, uh, black rifle has been working with me or I've been working with them, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. for over a year. And, you know, I'll post pictures from time to time, whether it's wearing one of their cool patriotic t-shirts or, uh, you know, just a cup of coffee, whatever it is. And someone always is like, Oh, those guys are anti-gun. Mm-hmm. So what is the background there? I, I've heard that it stems from Tulsi Gabbard, but I don't I don't have any I don't have any real clarity on that. But uh, I want to get it out there. What so what was where did that come from? What's the true story? I mean, that would be a better question for Evan or probably one of the, You're the cor- CEO. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I shed these duties off when it comes to questions like this um, down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first off, let's be let's be honest i mean the internet is an iq test and the comment section is where people post their results and a lot of people are not that smart um there's a bell curve to everything um except for internet access largely idiots have it and really smart people have it like i don't know anything about elon musk but he seems to be pretty smart yeah and he has access to the internet and dumbasses in the comment section um also have access to it so you kind of got to separate the wheat from the chaff. Um, I don't think it would matter. I mean, pick any brand in any sphere and let me know if you're able to find a brand that doesn't have a hater of some kind, whether it's because of what the brand stands for or because the brand was actually successful. You know what I mean? So I think that because everybody has that equal access, it's so easy for you to, you know, if you're having a low moment to sit out there and throw out a negative comment, um, so that's just like broadly, you know, one of the issues I have, um, I guess, with the connectivity of the Internet and how we're all connected now on all these platforms, which is a great thing. But it can also be negative because of comments like that. You know, I see their their advertisements. I see the videos they put out online yep. and it's all pro Second Amendment. Uh, it's, so it's like I, so I it's all pro Second Amendment. But let's I mean, let's be honest, the name of the company probably cuts the U.S. population on their beliefs um, when it comes to weaponry in half. Right. Right. So you have a group of people that are going to support uh, Black Rifle Coffee, very pro 2A. And then you'll have a group of people that are less pro 2A or even anti uh, 2A, which I don't give a shit, you know, that's one of the beauties of this country. Like live and, you know, let other people live. I think that's the part of the sentence that's right. been forgotten. Um, I saw most of the most of those comments started coming up. And when uh, it was essentially around, from my understanding, uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse incident Mm -hmm. and but after the shooting but before he went to trial there was a picture posted of kyle wearing a black rifle coffee t-shirt and this is probably the part that people don't understand because they've never been in this situation that evan was in as the ceo of a company that wasn't public at that point but i think they were probably planning on going public right he has to say something you know um because that individual, and again, a court of law is going to determine what, you know, whether or not it was justified, not justified, what was known, what wasn't known. But Evan, as the CEO, 
um, made a statement that basically said, hey, we're not we're not endorsing or sponsoring Kyle, even though he was wearing that shirt. And from there, that's where the crowd came in. Like, how can you like you guys are anti 2A? Because it seems like to me, at least people expected blind, unconditional support for Kyle absent having any of the the knowledge or information about what actually happened um, other than what was being shown on social media, which was a fraction of the, the, you know, the amount of information that came out later, you know, like, Oh, he, he shot a pedophile and felons. I'm like, yeah, but he didn't know that, you know, at the time. So the system needs to play itself out. And then once the black rifle made that comment, and I believe it was Evan that made it, I'm not sure how that worked. Then they dug in more and they found out that, you know, because of a bet that Evan lost, he made a, a donation uh, of $500 to uh, the Democratic Party, um, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, they made again, a spoof of it, like a video where they roasted him and they even talked about it and made fun of the whole deal. Like, yeah. That, they're pretty transparent. The and Tulsi just said this week that she's leaving the Democratic Party anyway. <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, I think she announced <laughs> that yesterday. I mean, yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I'll, I make, uh, I'm very, um, open with my support of Evan and the founders of black rifle and I'll do the same thing. I'll make a post and people will, there will always be one person who will write in there. Like, when are they going to apologize to Kyle? And it's like, apologize to Kyle for what, you know, like for saying yeah. that they neither are promoting or supporting him as an individual. Basically the statement was he's not a sponsored individual from the brand. It wasn't like, Hey, right. this should go to prison for the rest of his life it's like we're just making a statement we don't want anybody to uh get an impression that is incorrect and we also don't want to benefit financially from this and if people mm. don't want to support the brand again i'm not actually the ceo but in my mind if i was running it, it's like listen if you people are not intelligent enough to do some research and have a little bit of nuance then i actually don't want you as my customer you know yeah well and to the idea that our military, I don't want to call them heroes, uh, would be anti second amendment is, is kind of, I don't think that that, I don't think that that's something that we're, I'm going to be like, Oh, all these veterans here don't like guns. Uh, I don't know any veterans that are like anti two way. I know quite a few who believe that, you know, like maybe we shouldn't give everybody a bazooka, you know, which right. there's already plenty of reasonable gun laws. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, it's unlikely, but again, it's it's interesting to me. People will use one singular data point to override hundreds, if not thousands, of other data points that are right in front of them. The myopic fo focus they will have on one. It doesn't make sense to me. However, mm -hmm. having said that, like live your life however you want to live it. The beauty of social media and those comments is you can block those people. Like I just don't have any time for the negativity. Yeah. So it's like okay, on to the next. Like and I also like I said. Like, if you feel that way, please don't follow me. Don't support me. I don't want you as a consumer or a customer because I don't think that you and I would ever be able to connect because you're literally, you know, you're blinding yourself. You're throwing sand in your own eyes. And I just like, that's not how I want to live my life. And that's the problem with the woke agenda is in the companies that have gone that route. It's like, well, we want everybody's business. You know, we can't yeah. say no to anyone. So it's, we're going to include everybody. Well, okay, that's great. But by saying we're going to include everybody, you're ex excluding a very large demographic that doesn't believe that to be true. So anyway, uh, I'm yeah, in the same boat as you. And I have, yeah. I don't know where we landed on a place where 
people think it's possible to please everybody. It is impossible right. to please everybody. I don't care what your belief is. You could believe that like we need to save every life and that every day should be sun sunshine filled in a meadow with gumdrops falling out of the sky. And somebody's going to be pissed about that. Like, and you have Goodbye, to, be, uh, my Lord. but you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with the fact that people have different opinions than you. And that's always going to be the case. It doesn't matter how, how altruistic you believe your beliefs are. Somebody else might have the opposite belief and you have to be okay with that. Yeah. And I, this is a musician I had in, in studio one time, and this is a quote that I've restated multiple times, but uh, he said, you don't have the right to not be offended. Yeah, fair. You have the right to look elsewhere or not follow yeah. or don't support, but you don't have the right to not be offended. And I yeah. think that there's, that's very true. And now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's knock out our last commercial break. We'll come back and actually get into some much anticipated elk hunting conversation. Maybe even rag on the 6.5 Creedmoor just for fun as well. That segment brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and the 600-pound stand and fill. You can find it in their entire lineup of blinds, feeders, and smokers right there at allseasonsfeeders.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use eForms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started. Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turduckin rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrisspecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. Ray Wiley Hubbard bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. We've still got a uh, former member of Teal Seam 6, the host of the Cleared Hot podcast, uh, adventure seeker and elk hunting enthusiast, Andy Stump here with us. We'll get back into that momentarily. This segment, though, brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company, America's coffee company, veteran-owned and unapologetically patriotic Check them out at blackriflecoffee.com to uh, see their entire lineup of roasts. They've got something for everybody, whether you like light, dark, medium. They've got a bunch of options in each denomination, plus all of that awesome Pro 2A, Pro America swag that we've come to know and love from Black Rifle. And you'll save 20% off your order with that promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out. All right. Uh, well, Andy, let's talk a little hunting. I guess, first of all, do you prefer uh, hunting or fishing? I'm not a fisherman at all. Um, okay. 
I just, it's never, I mean, I have been fishing in my life. Yeah. Uh, I own zero fishing poles, even though I live in a beautiful place for fishing. It's just, it's never been my jam. It, it's not as exciting to me. I've listened to people talk about like, oh, I'm going to go trout fishing. They're the elk of the lake. I'm like, you you've obviously never been around an elk <laughs> so i'm gonna take it you went elk hunting this fall then yeah i still got one tag left this year and so where did you go uh started off with a uh, bull elk hunt in utah with black rifle um mm-hmm. they brought in about uh five or six people from there and then i went uh, almost straight from there to wyoming with uh my wife again that was a management tag so i was uh, constrained to finding uh, a bull that had five or less on one side, which was actually pretty surprisingly uh, hard to do. You know, I was where I was hunting in Utah, I saw plenty of like six by fives, five by fives that were massive. And in Wyoming, you know, called in this awesome six by six, then a seven by six. I'm like, son of a bitch, you know, where's all your genetic freaks? Like, give me like a seven by five or a six mm-hmm. by five or something, but was able to get it done eventually in both places. So I've got two uh two bull elk on the ground for this year hopefully with uh one more in the near future i was in wyoming for nine days uh end of the month of september and had a bull within bow range every day never fired an arrow it was so it was public land you know me and a buddy and uh they'd been pressured very hard and, and they would not respond to cow calls the only bugling that's it. If you cow called yeah. the next time they bugled 500 yards up the ridge, bye-bye, you know. Was it super uh, hot? No, it it was very nice because we were there like the last nine days of the month. And okay. uh, temps were in, oh, 60 during the day and then 20, 28 to 32 in the evening. So When I was in Utah, the highs were in the 90s. And uh, let yeah. me tell you, they did not want to party. Yeah. they're like yeah cool story i'll be under this tree or in this wallow like i'm not playing like i'll bugle back at you just you watch them all day long just laying down bugling back at you Mm -hmm. they didn't want to party at all so you're primarily a bow hunter then yeah i was trying bow hunting in both wyoming and utah and it got to a point in time where i was very limited on the time that i had left like the bowl that i got in utah i'm glad that i had chose to carry a rifle that morning because never bugled um never responded to a call and this this old monster just walked up on the far side of a uh, ravine um, mm-hmm. very quietly. There's no way I would have been able to bow hunt him where he was. It would have, I would have had been in the wide open um, and instead was able to take a 450-yard shot on him. Um, and then the same thing with Wyoming. You know, hunted with a bow, saw a bunch of animals that didn't meet the 5x5 five five criteria. And then the day that I switched to a rifle, was able to encounter a 5x5. Five five. I think he was... At 250. So I love bow hunting. It, it is yeah. it is my preferred method of hunting. Um, I mean, the best hunting experiences I've had are with, you know, John Dudley out in the wild. And just it's such a cool experience to have them that close. But I'm also hunting to eat and feed my family. So like I don't care about, uh, you know, rack size. My only question has ever been, hey, is that legal? And if it is, yeah. I'm going to shoot it. So yeah. if it gets to Hey, I'm going to walk around and feel cool about myself with this bow for another two days and then go home with an empty cooler. I'm going to probably grab the broomstick and then just put something down and then eat really well for the rest of the year. So that's the interesting thing about Wyoming. I don't know if you're on public or private land, but our tags were good for, for archery for like the whole month of September. And then in parts of Western Wyoming, uh, they opened up for rifle starting on like September 26th. Mine was good for bow and rifle. And uh-huh. it was like the middle of the rut. So, 
it didn't suck. <laughs> However, their five by fives apparently don't like the calls. Uh, yeah, like well, these monsters were coming in. I'm just like, holy shit, I want to shoot that. <laughs> well, we were gonna go to Western uh, Wyoming and mess around with, in grizzly country if we were having a hard time finding elk. But you know the saying, we don't we don't leave elk to find elk. And like I said, we were in them every day. Never never shot true. one, but my buddy shot one in the chest at ten yards, which I've done before. Let me tell you, anybody that hasn't taking a frontal shot i'm not saying do it on a white-tailed deer those fast fast twitch fibers a lot different than a 700 pound bull yeah. elk but uh, frontal shots inside 25 yards just They're absolutely devastating. devastating i would take um, it every single time as well so what rifle caliber did you primary primarily carry during combat versus what's your favorite one to uh take into the elk woods uh for most of my career it was a five five six round mm-hmm. Um, and then the last deployment was a seven six two round as far as the actual rifles. Um, I mean, you know, people try to say that five five six is a good hunting round. I mean, I guess for like javelina, you know, or super <laughs> small game, it's actually not even that effective on people. Prairie dogs. Yeah, I mean, prairie dogs. Don't get me wrong. I, I like the platform. It's not. It's not this mis- mythical thing that people think it is. Like, oh, these ARM M four, like you know, weapons of war. I'm like, listen. Yes. Soldiers carry it, police carry it too, you know, protective details carry it. It's not, it doesn't have the the best knockdown power. And assuming, I mean, accuracy, in my opinion, is final. You hit somebody in the running lights, you can, you can knock them flat with a 22. But, um, but what I, I went to sniper school in two, maybe was it 99 or 2000? I can't even remember. Um, but my favorite weapons platform ever since that day has been a 300 win mag. It just gives you so much range and by that i mean ability and distance to shoot but with that distance it leaves you a lot of kinetic energy on impact you know i messed around a little bit with six five creedmoor uh last year because i had never played with the round and i actually was able to get an elk with it and inside of i would say again personal opinion maybe 500 it would probably be acceptable depending on the type of ammo that you're using um as long as it's hitting with about a thousand foot pounds of force i think you'll be okay Mm. i'd say deer all day long with six five but like 300 wood mag just gets it done. So uh, I used a 300 ultra in Utah. I had to borrow it from somebody and then I used my own personal 300 wood mag in Wyoming. So they're not incredibly different, but I mean, you know, when you hit an animal with a 300 wood mag and it knows that it was hit with something. (laughs) I mean, both of the animals went seven steps maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I have 300 wood mag is my all time favorite as well. That you can shoot far. Yeah. Newfoundland with a 300 wind mag. He didn't go anywhere. Yeah. No. People are like, why do you hunt white tailed deer in Texas with the 300 wind mag? I'm like, well, why do you not? Because I have one and they don't go anywhere. I have a 6.5 Creedmore too. Yeah. I don't deer hunt with it. Like I said, I've only had one year of hunting experience with it, zero experience with it in my old job. If you're accurate with it and you have a good round designed for hunting, yes, you can get it done. But yeah, you're going to drop a deer with a 300 wind mag in its tracks versus a six five where it might get that sprint and go a couple hundred yards and that sucks depending yeah. on where you're trying to recover it from. So is elk your favorite thing to hunt? Um yeah, I, I would definitely say that it is. I, I mean I've hunted black bear. The first two animals I killed with my bow were black bears. I have a couple bull elk with my bow. Um I have been moose hunting, but never saw a moose. So I really couldn't tell you. Um, but as far as all the animals that I have hunted, I think elk 
Yeah, they're just awesome. I mean, as mm. you know, they're just majestic creatures. It's cool. Like the cool thing about being in Wyoming and being limited to that, uh, you know, kind of the management tag is we still got to have great animal interactions. My wife had never been around elk and I, you know, call an elk into 10 yards and he's standing there, you know, barking <laughs> at us, sniffing at us, trying to figure out what we are. Like I could do that all day long. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's, it's, <clears> just, it's just so cool to, to be in that environment. Yeah, there's, no, there's nothing like it. Nothing yeah. like it at all. Um, what about bucket list? Do you have you been to Africa or is that on the list or do you fancy yourself someday as a sheep hunter? What do I you don't, do? you know, sheep look cool um, until you do a little research into the cost of right. falling down that rabbit hole. And then like, oh, that's not cool at all. Sorry, my kids yeah. they just spent your college fund on a totally. sheep hunt. I mean, I get it. And if you have the means to do so, like get after it, they look cool. Um, the wild game, and you know, I talked to Baker a bunch, you know, he goes down to Africa all the time. Not really interesting to me. Um, if I had to put two things on my bucket list, it probably would be a red stag in oh, nice. uh, like the New Zealand area, or I'd really like to go up to Alaska and chase some caribou around. Those mm -hmm. things just look cool. Um, so those would be my two bucket lists, which are like on opposite sides of the damn world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> caribou still relatively affordable. If you wanted to do like a drop camp, you can probably still do it for five or $6,000 where you hire a, um, yep. a transport service. They drop you in for a week, 10 days, whatever, yep. and they come pick you up. One of uh, these days I'll get, I'll get, I'll get a caribou hunted before I'm physically unable to do so. That's mm -hmm. definitely on bucket list. Right on. Uh, so you do much deer or bird hunting? Uh, no bird hunting. Um, well, I mean, turkey, I despise turkeys with every fiber of my being. Well, so. We're elk hunters. So then, you know, obviously turkey hunting and elk hunting are very similar. Spring yeah. I've heard that one too. The turkey or the elk of the, I'm like, what? I've never I, seen the, the, the system of calling them in. Sounds within. nothing like, yeah. It's just like your little scratch thing. You're like, ear, ear, like no, which... come on now. It's the same thing. You're trying to trick them with, with, with calls that you're making. Sure. I can see that. So I don't you get... haven't, so you haven't actually done it then. Oh, I have, I've been there many times. Then I try to shoot turkeys every time that I see them, assuming that it's legal and I have a tag in my pocket. <laughs> and so no, no, uh, other than Turkey, like I've never been like pheasant or anything like that. Not that I'm against it. I just have limited time. And if yeah. I have time to hunt, I'm going to go after a, an elk. If I have a chance, um, <clears throat> deer hunting, uh, if the opportunity presents itself, I'm not going to do, I mean, I, I'm very fortunate to live in a Western Rocky state where I have big game. I get an over the counter general tag deer and, uh, an elk. But as far as the tags that I have, the deer is by far the lower priority. So if, if it yeah. presents itself, I'll take it. I'm not going to take a week off to deer hunt. Yeah. Right on, right on. Um, well, we are just about out of time for today. I do want to remind everybody to check out the cleared hot podcast i might check it out myself you know i uh like i said i wouldn't do if i were you, probably be bored <laughs> i also recommend that you don't listen to mine uh, yeah. so as, long, as long as we're clear on that uh but cleared hot the name of the podcast uh andy uh thank you so much for your time thanks again for your service and uh, it, was, it was really nice getting to visit with you man i appreciate it all right yeah my pleasure man <laughs> so there you have it uh, the great andy stump uh, joining us for the duration of today's show. Thanks to Andy. Um, that segment proudly brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants and my good friends over at Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Gotta go. Gotta get out of here. Like I said, thanks to Andy. Thanks to 
all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. I want to be your bridge.